Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schlugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. The title of this morning's message is How to Pray, Why and What. How to Pray, Why and What. Uh, why do we pray? What do we pray? I think these are all valid questions. Uh, the subtitle of the message is The Prayers of Paul. All right, and when we're saying Paul, we mean Apostle Paul. You know, God is really stirring the hearts of his people afresh in the area of prayer. Uh, I've been speaking to a number of my friends uh, uh, towards the end of last year, beginning of this year, and, uh, and I usually say, what's God saying to you? Uh, what is God stirring your heart about? And one predominant theme that arises out of those discussions is prayer. Prayer to draw near to God in a fresh way. You know, there is a strong need for us as believers to stay close to God in these challenging days and in the last days before the return of Jesus Christ. And here in James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And you will notice here that it says, You draw near to God, and then he will draw near to you. So it's like God wants us to initiate something fresh and draw close to him uh, in a fresh way. You know, typically, uh, the main ways that we're drawing, that we are sort of using or by which we draw close to God is worshiping God, prayer, and uh, reading the Bible and reading the scriptures uh, and, uh, and, and so forth. And these are some of the main ways where we are drawing uh, 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 close to God in a fresh way. You know, in early January, uh, God's been stirring my heart in this area of prayer. And it's kind of interesting uh, because uh, uh, Peter was preaching the first two messages uh, in January about prayer, you know, praying for the lost specifically. Now, we had not compared notes. I, was, I did not know what he was going to minister on. And, and it's like God's speaking the same thing to him uh, or through him as he is to me. And uh, I was uh, on a trip in my car by myself. And uh, I was going into the YRAP, actually. It takes about 50 minutes to get over there. And uh, usually when I'm traveling, I usually listen to something, not typically music, uh, and certainly not entertainment. It's either uh, I'm, I'm onto some information that I'm researching, or otherwise I'm praying. In this instance, I had a prayer meeting in the car, okay? Me uh, having a prayer meeting by myself, Holy Spirit was there. And uh, as I'm kind of praying, it's like I went into a, into a place or into a space. You know, I got my hands on my steering wheel, and I'm on the road, and I know I was because I did arrive at the other end, but I didn't know how I got there. I was just in another place and in another space. And, and in this process, God gave me a message that I want to bring to you this morning. Uh, and some of you, you know, you've heard these things before when we're talking about uh, the, you know, the prayers of Paul, Apostle Paul, and God impressed three words on my heart that I want to share with you this morning that are out of those prayers. And, and if you like, we could entitle this message, Prayer Made Simple. Uh, praying should not be complicated, but you know, as I say, in the early part of, the, of January, you heard the expanded version that Peter brought a couple of messages on Sunday. I will now give you the condensed version. Of course, some of you were away in the first couple of Sundays anyway, so you missed those messages. And so uh, hopefully that this is going to encourage you this morning. And uh, 
You know, I kind of feel that when it comes to prayer, the expanded version of prayer is important, but the condensed version is also important. It depends on how much time you, ha you have at any given time um, uh, to pray. And uh, so let me just launch out right now and uh, start reading here from Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, and in verse 1. And here is Jesus uh, speaking to his disciples, and it says, Jesus used this illustration with his disciples to show them that they need to pray all the time and never give up. Everybody say, all the time. All right, that is one tall order. Pray all the time and never give up. You know, the King James Version says that we should always pray and not lose heart. Um, losing heart meaning getting discouraged, getting despondent. We've prayed and we didn't see anything happening. Well, pray again. Uh, pray all the time. You know, praying should be a little bit like breathing. We breathe all the time, don't we? We breathe all the time and we should be praying all the time uh, as well. Well, naturally, there are times when we cannot pray. We are with people. We are talking. We, we, we are doing stuff that prevents us from, from physically, literally praying in that particular moment, at that particular time, but we can still have a prayerful attitude in those moments and in those times. That's really what God is saying, that he wants us to pray all the time. And, uh, you know, uh, prayer indicates our dependency on God instead of depending on our own selves. That we depend, we're depending on God's strength for us rather than our own strength. We are depending on God's wisdom rather than our, on our own wisdom. So it's really just praying. And, and it's praying is not just all about asking for things. It's just drawing close to God and, and uh, communicating with God and telling Him that we appreciate Him and all the good things that He's done for us and that He's doing for us constantly and developing a, a, a close uh, talking relationship, um, and uh, sometimes people say, oh gosh, you know, God seems so far away. Well, he's not that far away. He's only a breath of a prayer away, and he's like right there, and as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. First Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, pray without ceasing. Same again, pray without ceasing. Okay, so there's kind of a, an attitude that God wants us to have where we are constantly calling out to God, um, and to express our appreciation, you know, the Bible speaks of thanksgiving, that we develop a, a grateful heart and so forth, and that we are on talking terms with God all the time. You know, many Christians have a desire to pray more, but they're just not quite sure how to pray or what to pray. That's why the title of the message is How to Pray, Why and what? What do I pray? Um, and, and why do I need to pray? And the Bible says, well, why do I need to pray all the time? Well, because the Bible says so. All right. And because it's necessary for us to draw close to God all the time, because it is quite easy uh, to drift uh, and to sort of slip away a little bit, and then we need to find our way back again. And sometimes people say, well, God knows where I am, and so he does but do you know where God is? All right, so we draw close to God. Um, and, uh, you know, I've found that uh, in terms of helping me to pray, it's always helpful to follow a template in 
in the area of prayer, a template like a pattern, so to speak. Uh, and it, I don't want to really want to use the word formula. Uh, prayer is not so much a formula, but there are templates that we can follow. Uh, and prayer, first and foremost, flows out of a relationship that God wants us to have with Him. You know, for example, the Lord's Prayer that most people know, if people have been to Sunday school, you know, our Father, you are in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your kingdom, you know, and be established and so forth, and, and it goes all the way through. This is a template for prayer. And uh, sometimes people repeat the Our Fathers over and over again. You know, there's not much point in that. Uh, it's not the repetition that's important. Jesus says, in this manner, therefore pray. Use this as a kind of an outline. Use it as a template to pray. And, uh, you know, Matthew, uh, is it Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus uh, taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer. And it wasn't so much, uh, you know, that we repeat the Lord's Prayer over and over, for that matter, the Hail Marys, whatever that is, uh, for some of us that have come from that tradition. You know, there is no point in just, you know, we are not hurt because of our repetitiveness. Uh, uh, we're hurt because our prayers are Bible-based, and I want to uh, touch on that uh, very, very shortly. You know, in Luke's gospel, in the account where, uh, you know, Jesus is speaking with his disciples about prayer, the Bible says that Jesus finished praying, and his disciples had watched him, and when he finished praying, they said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. As John the Baptist also taught his disciples to pray, why don't you teach us to pray? And he gave them the Lord's Prayer. So it's like a pattern, uh, a template uh, for prayer. You know, prayer is taught, but prayer is also caught. Some of it is taught, and some of it is caught. Caught means that we catch something when we get with people who pray and who have a passion for prayer. And anybody that wants to learn how to pray, you get close to people that pray a lot, that have a passion for prayer, and you can catch that passion from them, and you can listen to their words. And, and as they formulate words and sentences and so forth, and as I say, in the early days of, uh, of my you know, Christianity of when I say born again, you know, my, my late teens, early 20s, I don't know if I was born again in that environment where I've come from, but there was a lot of repetition going on uh, uh, where I've come from and some of us, you know, from that tradition and so forth. And then you got to suddenly get away from all the, the, the memorized, uh, you know, prayers that you have on little cards and then you get more into relational prayer and into more of a Bible-based prayer. Um, and so the first point that I would like to make, and it's in your outline, when we pray, number one, pray what the Word says. Pray what the Word says. Let the written Word of God, let the Bible be the starting point of our prayers. First King chapter 8, verse 26. And uh, here is Solomon, uh, the king, and he's praying, and he says, I, Now I pray, O God of Israel, let your Word come true which you have spoken to your servant David, my father. Let your word come true. And friends, I would like, like to suggest to you that the most effective prayer is asking God to bring his word to pass. That is the most effective prayer. It's not starting prayer for out of our need, but starting prayer out of the word. 
So when we have a need, we should go to the Word and say, Lord, what are you saying about this need of mine? And then let the Word be the starting point rather than, Lord, I need this or, Lord, I need that. The written Word of God is our general prayer guide. You know, God's Word gives us the faith that we need to receive answers to our prayers. Is it Romans 10, 17 that says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? And furthermore, the Word tells us what we can ask for in prayer. It is a very specific word in the sense that we know what we can ask for, and it also tells us what we cannot ask for. For example, if our need is covered in the Word of God, we can ask God for it. But if our need is not covered in the Word, we have no basis for faith, and we can't really ask for it. But friends, here's the good news. All of our real needs are covered in the Word of God. There's not a single need that you and I could encounter that is not covered in the Word of God. It's already right there. And by the way, when, you know, when we're talking about prayer, I'm talking about praying in a general sense. I'm talking about praying for yourself, praying for family, praying for other people, praying for lost people. You know, it's really just uh, those principles that I want to share with you. They will work in all of those areas. 2 Corinthians 1.20, God has made a great many promises. They are all yes because of what Christ has done. So through Christ, we say amen, and we want God to receive the glory. All right? As one translation says, that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. And so, my friend, if you are in Christ and you are born again, then all the promises are there for you. And God will not say no, but God will say yes, because you've started out of the Word of God and, uh, and let the Word of God become your parameter for what you can ask for. So all the promises are right there for us. The second point, and I want to move along. It says, use the prayers of Apostle Paul as a template for your own prayers. Uh, when I first heard these thoughts and these truths, it really began to enhance my prayer life because sometimes it's like, gosh, uh, I'm supposed to pray for somebody. What do I pray? Uh, what do I say? Uh, where do I start? And these are all valid questions. And, you know, when people have been, uh, you know, Christians for, for decades and they open their mouth and there's quite a flow, they have a good basis of the Word of God in their life, they have a good handle on the different types of prayers, they've got a good strong relationship with God and they can pray quite fluently. Well, that is not the case for most young Christians when they start out. It's like, you know, sort of stumbling around by what do I say, and so forth. And so today's message would sort of add into the mix here that will help you um, and, uh, and maybe refresh things a little bit in your life as it has been in my life because God is definitely stirring our hearts in the area of prayer. So the prayers of Paul. You know, the Bible, specifically the New Testament, records several different prayers that Paul prayed. And of course, uh, they are recorded for us in the letters that Paul wrote to uh, the churches and to different individuals. And we go to those prayers. And it seems to me that, you know, besides Jesus Christ, I think Paul would be one of the safest guys to follow when it comes to praying and having scriptural, biblical prayers. Um, Paul's prayers... Um, in, or in his prayers, he uses three words, and these are the three words that God impressed 
on my heart as I was driving along and as I was in my prayer meeting. And uh, I had quite a time. I come away from those sessions and I'm like elated, like I'm excited now. I'm in a whole new place. You know, that's why the Bible says, you know, pray always and don't lose heart. If I somehow get a little despondent, I know I need to come back to pray. I can't go from despondent to discouraged to depressed. I can't go in that direction. I need to go the other way. I need to be encouraged. Um, And uh, I know what it feels like to go in both directions. And I don't want to go in this direction. I want to go in the encouraged direction. You you know, encourage is put courage in. um, And that's what encourage means, that we're filled with courage. Anyway, the three words, uh, and here they are. They're in the outline, open, strengthen, and fill. And you know, these prayers that I'm sharing with you, if you remember those three words and if you learn the scriptures where they come from, you don't need a visual aid for prayer. You can pray anywhere, anytime. Now, visual prayers are good. As I say, if you pray the expanded version, we've got the outlines from the messages that Peter brought. We've got a prayer guide here and so forth. And this is all wonderful. But if you're somewhere, you haven't even got your Bible with you, though most people now have apps on their phone. But you can just pray out of memory and have a wonderful prayer meeting as you are traveling along by yourself or wherever you are. And if you're sitting or standing or running or whatever you're doing, you can pray open, strengthen, and fill. These three words, uh, I'm of the persuasion. These three words and the prayers where they come from, I really do believe that they cover most people's day-to-day needs, including our own. All right, Um, that's why I'm saying it is the simplified. It's not all there is, but it is the simplified, the condensed version of prayer. And here uh, are those, uh, you know, to to expand out those three words into three phrases. A, Lord, open their minds and hearts. Let it be, Lord, strengthen them. Let us see, Lord, fill them. All right, the three words again, open, strengthen, and fill. And they don't need to be in that order. But the first one I want to talk about is, Lord, open their minds. That is such a key. Uh, When people, both saved and unsaved, um, uh, when unsaved people, their biggest need is Jesus Christ. There's without a doubt their biggest need. They, They think, oh, I really need money or I need my problems fixed. But the biggest need of a person who doesn't know Jesus it's Jesus Christ, okay? And in order for them to get to the place to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, it's, Lord, open their minds, open their hearts. Uh, one translation says, illuminate the eyes of their understanding. And here I read from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, and this is the first prayer of Paul that I want to go to. Uh, He says here, Apostle Paul, speaking to the Ephesian believers, he says, I have not stopped giving thanks to God for you. All right. I remember you in my prayers. You know, sometimes when we start our praying, this is habitual, okay? But this is a good habit. Uh, Lord, I thank you for this person. It's just a good starting point. Where do we get that from? Paul did the same thing. He says, says, I have not stopped giving thanks to God for you. I remember you in my prayers, and I ask that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the Spirit who will make you wise and reveal God to you so that you will know Him. And here it is, verse 18, I ask that your minds may be opened to see His light. So here's the word, Lord, open their minds, open their hearts, 
open the eyes of their understanding, and they're not the physical eyes, they're the eyes of our inner man, of our spirit, so to speak, okay? By the way, these messages, they are preparatory towards our 40-day focus that's coming up on authority of the believer, because the authority of the believer is released in prayer, mostly, and in declarations, all right? So we're just working our way into this place and into this space. So... I ask that your minds may be open to see his light so that you will know what is the hope um, to which he has called you. How rich are the wonderful blessings he promises his people and how great is his power at work in us who believe. Um, so this is a kind of a, a scriptural prayer. It's a powerful prayer. It's a prayer that I pray a lot for myself and for other people, both safe people as well as unsafe people. As I say, people who are not saved, their biggest need is Jesus Christ. But people that are saved have needs in their life. But, but I, I feel that in order for them to get their needs met, if God gives them a revelation, opens the eyes of their understanding, then suddenly they come into a place that they try to go to, but without revelation, we can't go in a new place uh, uh, where God wants us to be. So it's the whole area that God will give you you know, open, the mind, open your minds and, and may, uh, you know, open, gosh, verse 18, <laughs> I ask that your minds may be open to see his light so that you will know. And that know here is a revelation knowledge. It is a knowledge that we haven't figured out, but it is a knowledge that is revealed to us. All right. So Paul was praying for God to open the minds the hearts or the eyes of people, in practical terms, it is all the same. Uh, different translations use uh, slightly different words here. And one thing that I have found immensely helpful is memorization of Scripture, particularly when it comes to those prayer passages. It is helpful to memorize those passages, and then we can pray these prayers without any visual aids. We don't need the prayer book. We don't need anything. We can just pray out of memory uh, of those Scriptures. Uh, and why do we ask for God to open their eyes or to open their heart? Well, uh, first, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 uh, says that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. All right, so, so it says they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news, and that is the good news of Jesus Christ. All right, not the good news that they might have won the, the lottery or something like that. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. <laughs> they don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So here's what that looks like. The devil is forever trying to blind people. And we're not talking about physical blindness, though that could happen as well. We were talking about spiritual blindness. And when we pray uh, that God will open people's eyes, that the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, people's eyes are being opened and suddenly they see. All right, so there's a, there's a battle going on for the souls of men and of women and of children. It is about the heart of men, and, uh, and uh, the devil wants to blind people. God wants to show them things. And our prayers hinder the work of the devil to, bl to continually blind them. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, people's eyes are open. Again, they're not the physical eyes, so it's not, but I'm just using that as an example. There's like shutters over people's eyes, uh, spiritual blindness. Uh, 
And God wants to remove that by the power of his spirit and through the preaching of the gospel. You know, the Bible speaks of the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that shines into the hearts of men and of women and of children. When we preach the gospel, there's a light that goes out. And that light needs to enter people's eyes and go into their spirit so it registers. Um, and along with that, there's all the, as I say, in the, in the expanded version, there's multiple things that are going on. But in the, in the condensed version, I just want to give you the headlines, uh, uh, so to speak, so that you can pray this prayer for yourself. Uh, in fact, I remember when we used to listen to the teachings of Kenneth Hagin, uh, uh, just a wonderful man, and gosh, that man and his, uh, his life and his ministry so impacted us in the early days and still does to this day. He says he prayed this prayer for himself for about three months running every day. He says, uh, and he says, and in those three-month period, he received more revelation than in the three or five years prior to that. So God will answer those prayers that you pray for yourself out of this passage here. God will answer those prayers that you pray for other people, whether they're saved or unsaved. All right? And the key word is open. All right? Remember the word open. Okay? Uh, and here in Acts chapter 26, here is Paul the apostle um, standing uh, before King Agrippa to give an account of himself and to, again, to preach the gospel. Uh, and, and he tells King Agrippa uh, what Jesus Christ said to him when he called him to preach the gospel. And he says, and Jesus said to Paul, verse 17, I will rescue you from the people of Israel and from the Gentiles to whom I will now send you. You are to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that through their faith in me, they will have forgiveness of sins or have their sins forgiven and receive their place amongst God's chosen people. All right? The Bible says everybody is called, but few are chosen. How do you become from a called one only to become a chosen one? You surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and from that moment, you're one of God's chosen people. From that moment, heaven is a promise for you. All right, so uh, praise God. I don't know if that touches your life, but I find this very, very powerful. Let me say that when we speak about prayer, we're not speaking out of theory. We're speaking out, we are praying people. We are a praying church. We're speaking out of a, out of a practice of prayer here uh, that people can catch if they want to and come to a whole new place in themselves. How would Paul... Open the eyes of people, well, through the preaching of the gospel and through his prayers. And as he preaches the gospel and having prayed for, from them, he says to turn people from darkness, and this is spiritual darkness, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan over to God, that people have faith to call on Jesus Christ so that their lives can be saved. Interesting too, and this is the last scripture under that sub-point here in Luke chapter 24, verse uh, 45. Uh, Bible says that Jesus had just risen from the dead after his crucifixion. You know, God sent Jesus to come into the earth. He lived a sinless life. And then he was in a public ministry for approximately three to three and a half years. And at the end of that time, uh, he laid down his life and he allowed himself to be captured and tried and so forth. And ultimately, they hung him on the cross and they killed him. They literally slaughtered him. Uh, and, uh, and it's kind of, you know, he became the scapegoat 
God, so to speak. He died not for his own sins. He didn't have any. He died because of our sins. He paid the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven. All right, so there you go. Uh, And as Jesus then rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples over a period of some 40 days. And as he's spending some time with the 12 there, the Bible says Jesus opened their mind so that they could understand the scriptures. There's like a switch that gets turned on and suddenly things that people have heard before couldn't understand, suddenly they can understand it. All right, so there's, and that's something that we're praying. Lord, turn that switch in people's lives. Open the eyes of their understanding. Point number four speaks about the, that second word, uh, and that is strengthen them with power by your spirit in their inner man. I don't know about you, but I need strengthening like all the time. It's a little bit like, you know, with my phone, when I use my phone throughout the day, even when I'm not on the phone, there is process is going on and it sort of drains the battery and at the end of the day you know the battery goes down and if I don't charge it up the next day there's nothing much there and so it is with our spirit our spirit needs to be charged on a constant basis just refilled again and again and again all right it's like our spirit is like a battery that can run dry and there are there's been times when I've been pretty low and I knew I was low and then things are very difficult and certain things don't function anymore that used to function before why? Because the, the, the battery is low. You know, for, for some of us, we have, uh, you know, these fancy phones. And, you know, when your battery runs down below 20% of battery power, it says that certain function will now not work anymore because it's trying to now, you know, preserve power and only give you the basic functions. And there are many Christians that live in that 20% vicinity. They're sometimes there and sometimes not. And God wants us to go way high, uh, be charged up 100%, and be pumping and powering on all cylinders. Praise God. Again, Ephesians chapter 3, and this is another scripture to learn and to memorize. And that word strengthen comes from this passage here. Ephesians 3.14, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom the whole, every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There's prayer going on in this house here in various prayer meetings throughout the week. Uh, and on, on a Sunday morning in our pre-service prayer meeting, and we are, amongst other things, constantly praying for everybody that is connected to this house here to be strengthened. All right, just something that we do habitually, uh, and as I said, because I know what it means for me to be strengthened, and that is a prayer that we can pray for other people. Um, I mean, people run a bit low, that they get a fresh infusion of the Holy Spirit into their lives, that they get a fresh revelation, that they be strengthened. You know, most people at various times experience various difficulties in life, Um, and when stresses are going on, the battery discharges more quickly, okay? When multiple processes are going on, uh, and, uh, you know, with, with, as I say, with our phone, I'll just use that as an example. When we've got multiple processes, multiple apps that are open, and they're all chugging away in the background, and a couple of them we might be using. When a lot of things are going on, the battery discharges more quickly. When people got challenges in their lives, the battery gets drained more quickly. That's especially when we need fresh strengthening, um, so, you know, some Christians sometimes 
with the constant demands and not knowing how to get themselves refilled again, they kind of lose heart and they, you know, they give up. It's like, oh, you know, I prayed and nothing happened. I, I, I won't pray anymore. Um, but, you know, we're not praying because something happened the last time we prayed. We're praying because God tells us to pray. Okay, just having a little shift there. You know, some Christians sometimes, you know, backslide in times of adversity. They stop following Jesus. They stop serving God. But we can pray that God would strengthen them. And it's amazing sometimes we watch people's lives. And one minute, you know, they're struggling and they're despondent. And suddenly something happens. And suddenly they, you know, they're, they're, they perk up again, if I can use that expression. And that's what that means when we pray for them to be strengthened, that God visit them by His Spirit. And when there's a fresh visitation and God fill them up with His Spirit and fill them with strength and so forth so that they can continue on serving God. And the last word, and I'm kind of moving along quickly, uh, and that is the word fill. Point number five, Lord, fill them with the knowledge of your will. This is a prayer that I constantly pray for other people. If I'm praying for them, I'll be do doing those three words uh, uh, more uh, at times, of course. But as I say, if I reduce it right down to the condensed version, uh, I say, Lord, open. Number two, Lord, strengthen. Number three, Lord, fill them. And fill them with the knowledge of your will. This one is out of Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Again, this is another prayer of Paul. Uh, in fact, we haven't got the whole prayer listed here because as he goes on uh, from the verses that we've got printed in the outline, he again speaks about strengthening them and so forth. And, uh, but here in, in uh, verse 9, Colossians 1, Paul says, For this reason I have always prayed for you, Ever since we heard about you, we ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. All right? That's a very powerful prayer. It seems simple enough, but it's a very powerful prayer that we can pray. That God would fill people with the knowledge of his will. When people are not sure, what, what am I here for? What is the purpose of life? Uh, uh, and, and what am I supposed to do? What does God expect from me? Well, we pray this prayer, Lord, fill them with the knowledge of his will. Um, it says, with all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. We were speaking about wisdom last week. This is a key aspect to our uh, you know, success in life that we receive wisdom from God and understanding. It says in verse 10, then you will be able to live as the Lord wants and will always do what pleases Him. So that's a very powerful statement. When we pray for people to do that, he says, you will be able to live as God wants because you know what His will is uh, and you will always do what pleases Him. Your lives will produce all kinds of good deeds and you will grow in your knowledge of God. See, our prayers for other people causes growth in their lives. It causes breakthrough in their lives. It causes them to rise up out of a place of despondency and discouragement to serve God once again. All right, so, so we ask God to fill people with the knowledge of His will. As I prepare to close, I want to ask, what is the will of God? All right, uh, there is a general will of God, which includes all people, but there's also a specific will of God. And here in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it speaks about the general will of God uh, for people in general. 
It says, he isn't really being slow about his promised return, even though it sometimes seems that way. But he's waiting for the good reason that he's not willing that any should perish. And he's giving more time for sinners to repent. You know, sometimes we look around, the world's in a mess. It's unbelievable. You know, we got Europe at the brink of a war. We got uh, meltdowns of economies, of societies. Uh, we got people so confused and mixed up. The boys think they're girls and girls think that they're boys and parents haven't got it figured out and how they can help these people, uh, th their kids. And, you know, we got laws are being established that parents will be fined if they steer their children towards their biological sex. It's just a disaster. How did we ever get here? You know, what a disaster. We think, oh, gosh, how much longer, Lord, before you return? God says, a little bit more time. I want more people to repent of their sins and to commit their life to Jesus Christ. All right. God, has a, God, has, God wants heaven filled and God wants hell depleted. Uh, God wants people to go to heaven. And the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And again, what is God's will? Well, he's not willing that any should perish. Um, and that's why he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sins. And at the beginning of the year, it's good to do a, a spiritual stock take, so to speak, and say, Lord, am I thoroughly connected up in the purposes of God? Am I in the center of your will or somewhere on the edges of it? Or am I outside your will? And well, my friend, if you're not saved, you're outside of God's will. God wants you to get saved. He wants you to come into the will of God and, and, and so forth. And we want to give an opportunity uh, with these messages that we bring at the beginning of the year to help people to connect that with God. You know, the most important prayer, and this is the last point and I close very shortly, the most important prayer that anyone can pray, we call it either a salvation prayer or the sinner's prayer. And we have a a sample prayer printed in the outline here. This is not the, 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 the magic words, so to speak. This is not necessarily the only uh, prayer that people can pray, but it certainly covers the main points on how a person can come from being not saved and aiming straight for hell to get saved and then to aim straight for heaven, that when Jesus Christ returns to this earth, uh, he will come and collect us. So if people die a natural death, they will go to heaven. And that prayer makes all the difference. And we can speak with great authority on the authority of God's written word that anybody that prays this prayer, what we call the salvation prayer, from the bottom of their heart, by the time they get to the end of their prayer, their sins will be forgiven. They will be born again and then hopefully want to live the rest of their lives to follow Jesus Christ as one of his followers and to serve him all the days of their lives. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.